how do you know what kind of logo is right for your business? Is it just a gut feeling? Whatever you think is pretty? What's trendy? Choosing a logo is a big decision and one that you'll have to look at literally for a long time to come. Hi, and welcome to Startup Marketing, the podcast created with female founders in mind. I'm Caitlin Pyatt, owner of Authentic Branding and Marketing, and I'm a marketing coach who teaches female startups how to brand, market, and grow their small businesses. I spent 10 years working in the corporate world before starting Authentic, and no matter where I'm working, I love branding and marketing. And now I'm here to break down my exact blueprint to starting a business, branding it, and marketing it for growth. Together, we can build something crazy successful. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to episode five of Startup Marketing. Today, we're going to talk about how you select a logo. I absolutely love the process of designing and picking a logo. I've had the privilege to do a logo redesign in my former life, as well as create logos for some of my clients. There's so much that goes into it, and it's far more strategic than people think. I've got a handful of things you want to keep in mind when selecting a logo, so let's dive in. Your logo is one of the most important decisions you will make for your business. In an ideal world, you'll pick something that you're really happy with and communicates your business well, because especially if you've got a brick and mortar location or you have inventory that you keep on hand, it's going to be used in places that can be costly to redo if you decide in a year that you don't really care for your logo. If you run your business strictly online, you have a little bit more flexibility because you won't incur those large expenses when you change your logo. However, in either case, changing your logo too frequently will cause you to lose brand value and recognition among your ideal customers, something you definitely want to avoid. So being meticulous upfront is worth the time investment. There's a lot of ways you can get a logo. Of course, I recommend working with someone who's skilled in branding, graphic design, and knows logos well. This ensures that you're going to get a level of strategy when designing your logo. Designers who understand branding well will be able to do a deeper dive into what you want to communicate, how you want to communicate, and give you options to select from. As we'll go through, there's a handful of critical principles you want to consider when creating your logo, and a branding expert will be able to take those into account and deliver something that's nicely designed. You can also crowdsource your logo through sites like Fiverr and Dribbble. I've had great success contracting with freelance designers through these sites, but before you crowdsource, you'll want to make sure you understand the five principles we're about to go through. So in place of a branding expert, you can make sure your logo works for you long-term. Now, what do you need to consider when selecting a logo? First and foremost, you need to think about how you're going to use your logo. Will it be mostly online or will you be creating a lot of print material? Either way, but especially if you're going to do a lot of printing, consider keeping the number of colors pretty limited, no more than two. This is because the more colors you have to print in a logo, the more expensive your print job becomes. We'll touch on this later, but even though you could print your logo exclusively in black and white, I promise at some point you're going to want it in color as well. Having several colors in your logo means you're spending precious dollars getting it printed. 
Using a lot of colors also means that you'll be limited to what color background you can put your logo on. And this is true in print and online. If it has every color in it, you're going to be stuck with a white background. You'll also want to think about the size of your logo because you'll have to scale it. Can your logo be sized down to a small size like that of a quarter and still be legible? There may come a day when you want to buy something like pens or a giveaway item. And if your logo doesn't scale down to a small size, it won't look professional and be a good representation of you and your services. Likewise, you're going to want to be able to scale it to a large proportion. Think the size of a billboard. You may never actually put your logo on a billboard, but if you ever needed to make it larger than its original size, you don't want it to become pixelated. We'll touch on this a little bit more later. Second, you want to think about the style of your logo and what you need to communicate. Ideally, your logo should communicate what you do and your brand's personality. Your logo is going to lend you credibility, so making sure it matches what you do will elicit the right types of feelings from your ideal customer. It's the difference between needing a logo that's sleek and refined for an investment company versus a whimsical design for something like a cookie company. They communicate very different things, and you want to make sure you're sending the right message with your logo. You also want to make sure that when someone sees your logo, they can understand what it is you do. If you can't clearly communicate who you are and what you do, consider revising your logo. This doesn't mean that if you're a computer repair service, for example, that you have to have a literal picture of a computer in your logo, but you'll want to make sure that your name is clear so people don't have to guess about what you are. In my past life in credit union marketing, as we were working on a new logo, there was a lot of debate amongst my team about whether or not we should keep the words federal credit union in our name. A lot of us wanted to leave them behind. They didn't scale down to small spaces well, and we thought the logo looked more modern without them. Then throughout our discussion, one member of the team points out, how are people going to know what we are if those words aren't there? We had heard time and time again from our executives that only one in four people knew what a credit union was. And while we had a fair amount of market share, we were by no means extremely well-known. So that meant that 75% of the population would have no idea what we were and therefore wouldn't consider us for banking services without the phrase federal credit union there. That's a perfect example of why you want to carefully consider what you need to communicate. You'll pay precious dollars for a logo. Don't reduce the impact by not thinking through what your ideal customer does and doesn't know about you and what you need to say about your business. Third, what is your brand personality? As I've mentioned, knowing your brand personality plays a large role in the aesthetic selections you're going to make. Do you have a more sophisticated feel to your brand? Do you want to feel bright or whimsical? You want your logo to convey your desired aesthetic and match the tone of voice you use in any of your communication materials you put together. You want to make sure that everything you put together feels cohesive and having a logo that matches your brand personality will make this happen for you. So if you're a tech firm, but your logo has a shabby chic design to it, ask yourself if it really matches your brand personality and is doing the best job possible that a logo could do for you. Fourth, you want to think about your font selection. Your font selection should reflect your personality. When selecting a font, it's important that you know if there are any restrictions on the font that you want to use. Some fonts are free and some require you to pay a small licensing fee to use them in a commercial space. 
If you're working with a brand or graphic design professional, they should take care of this for you. It's the difference between being able to use the font for some super cute birthday invitations you're making for your friend versus using the font in your logo. If you look to Pinterest for font inspiration, which I highly recommend, you need to be very aware of this. There are plenty of pins that display these really pretty or modern fonts, and you can definitely use them, but you need to make sure that you check and see if a commercial licensing fee needs to be paid. It's actually not that expensive for a lot of commercial licenses. I paid $15 for mine, but in some cases it can be expensive. So you just want to make sure you do your research up front. This might be the case, for example, if you're choosing to license, say, a Google font. There are plenty of font websites you can browse through as well to get ideas and inspiration, and each one of them will note if it's free for personal use or commercial use. I like DaFont, D-A-F-O-N-T, the most. Fifth, your color selection. Colors should also match your brand personality. When you're selecting colors, I like to do a little bit of research. I look to see what's trending in fashion and interior design for color palettes. A lot of times, this is where I draw my inspiration from. I also like to do some research and see what's trending in the industry I'm designing for. Sometimes I'll fall in line with what's trendy in that space, but more often than not, I try to stay away from being an exact replica of everyone else around me so I don't blend in too much. I also try to blend some classic colors with more modern colors so that my color palette doesn't become dated too quickly. I'm a big fan of cooler color palettes, but after learning from other experienced designers who really had to beat this into my head, I always try to have at least one or two warm colors to use. It just gives you some variety and allows you an accent color that stands out and has some contrast from the primary colors that you like to use. Something else I recommend is having a range of colors for your brand so that your logo can use any of them based on the color of the background. If you don't have some warm and cool colors to choose from, as well as a range of light and dark colors, you might find it hard to design around your logo or to adapt your logo to fit into a design. Whether or not you're working with a branding expert or simply crowdsourcing, understanding these five key principles to selecting a logo is going to ensure that you end up with one you can use for the long haul. It doesn't mean your logo will never change. In fact, most brands do a refresh at some point to modernize their logos or reflect changes in their business, but you don't want to have to do this on a regular basis. After you've selected your logo, you'll want to make sure that the person providing it to you gives you several different versions and formats. You'll want a black and white version as well as a full color version so that you have options when it comes to placing your logo into different settings. If you advertise, for example, sometimes your ad will only be printed in black and white. It's nicer to provide the publication with the logo already in your preferred color rather than have them print a color logo in black and white. This maintains the highest quality of your logo possible. You'll want to think through if you need your logo in any other single colors as well if you're not getting the native files, i.e. an illustrator file, from your designer. For example, I have three different color options in addition to the black and white version of my logo. One that's all purple, a full color that's blue and purple, and one that's just all blue. You'll also want your logo in multiple formats, also known as the file type, an EPS, a JPEG, 
and a PNG are the most common. An EPS, also known as an illustrator format or vector image, allows your logo to be scaled as large or as small as necessary without becoming distorted or pixelated. Think as large as a billboard or as small as the words on a pen. Whenever you're working with a vendor, this is the type of logo you want to give them. A PNG logo is going to be useful online because it has a transparent background, so you won't get that silly little white square around your logo. And a JPEG is a good file type to have on hand for things like Word documents or programs that don't accept an EPS or a PNG file. You may also want to ask for some variations, a wide version where your logo is in a straight line, a stacked version where any imagery and words form more of a block, and a small version where you pull out just one part of your logo. For me, that would be using just the A from authentic in a circle. Having these variation means that anytime someone designs something for you, they have options to make your logo and brand look the best in the given space that they're working with. For example, if you were placing ads online, the designer has the ability to choose the logo that works for the size of the ad. These can get pretty small, so maybe the small version of your logo works best. Make sure though that if you have multiple variations, you know which one is your primary logo, the one you'll use the most often and will be your first pick before you move on to any variation. You want to use your primary logo 99% of the time and the variations only when necessary. Now, I know that we've just gone through a ton of information and I've thrown a bunch of technical terms at you. So don't worry, you can find a complete list of these principles and the things you're going to want from a designer when you design your logo by visiting getauthenticbranding.com resources. There's a couple more things I'd like to mention here when it comes to your logo. And to be honest, they're pet peeves of mine. When you're thinking about a logo, please resist the urge to design one yourself in Microsoft Word. I know it's tempting to save money, but you're not going to have it in any useful format and it's always going to have a white square behind it. Plus, as soon as you try to enlarge it, it's going to become pixelated. Also, try not to allow too many variations of your logo by swapping out elements within it. What I mean by that is if you're a bakery, for example, that has a whisk in your logo, don't continuously swap out the whisk for some other baking utensil. It's going to create confusion for your customers and they're not going to recognize you as quickly as they would if your logo stayed consistent. Another pet peeve of mine is when I see businesses change parts of their logo. I see this for things a lot like the holidays. For example, if you have an I in your name and you dot it with a heart one month and a shamrock the next and a raindrop the next, it cheapens the quality of your logo and your brand. So stick to your tried and true logo and the one that you've worked so hard to strategically design. It's going to give you more brand recognition and allow your customers to identify you quickly. While we're talking about logos, can we take a small little detour to mention a few of the same principles you can apply when naming your business? Sometimes these two things happen pretty close together, so I felt like it was worth mentioning. When you're naming your business, keep the second and third principles of logo selection in mind. What do you need to communicate and what's your brand personality? Ideally, your business name should give potential customers a clue about what you do. It should also convey your brand personality. 
Other things you'll want to keep in mind is spelling. I'm never a fan of phonetic spellings for business names because it's confusing. Am I searching for custom paintings by Caitlin with a C? No, it's a K in custom. Okay, I'm probably never going to remember that. Also, think carefully about numbers. I'm not saying they're a no-no, but keep in mind that you'll have to do some extra educating to let your customers know if they're searching for 402 marketing with actual numbers versus spelling them out. Okay, thanks for indulging my little side note there. As you can see, there's some very critical principles you need to consider when choosing your logo. Your assignment this week is to get familiar with them and do some inspirational research to figure out what style of logo you like. It's always really helpful when you're working with a professional that you come with inspiration. Likely, these people will have some questions they ask you up front to help distill what's in your head into something they can use to create from. But I know I always appreciate when my clients have pictures or examples of brands or logos that they can share with me that they like and gives me a literal picture of their style. I'm not going to copy it exactly, but I like having a direction to go in. It reduces the amount of design time and rework that I have to do to achieve what they have in mind. It doesn't even have to be fancy examples. Google images of logos they like and a thought or two about why they like it gives me plenty of insight. If you're looking for logo inspiration, check out my Pinterest profile at Authentic Branding. I have an entire board dedicated to logos because they're one of my favorite things to look at when it comes to branding. And don't forget, grab the checklist of these five principles and the must-haves for selecting a logo by visiting getauthenticbranding.com resources. So there you have it, five principles to consider when selecting a logo. Go out and find your inspiration. When you do, drop a comment on my social media at Authentic Branding and tell me about it. As always, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please like, rate, and review Startup Marketing to help other women like you find it. Until next time.